Well, if you have your Bible today or an app, turn to the book of Hebrews. If you have a hard copy of your Bible, you may look in the table of contents if you don't know where Hebrews is. But here's an easy way to find it. Go to the very end of your Bible, far right, book of Revelation, then back up through some short books and you will see the book of Hebrews. If we've not met, my name is Brian Fannin. I serve Grace Fellowship as the Florence Campus Pastor. I have the privilege of opening God's Word with you today, and I am sincerely excited because you're going to get a chance to hear the heartbeat of Grace Fellowship. But more than that, I'm hoping that you leave today with a real sense, an invitation, if you will, to come and join us in the journey of changing and growing together. Hebrews chapter 10, picking up in verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Now that day he's talking about is the return of Christ. If you'll notice on our website, if you've spent any time there, and I hope you have, there are some things that we communicate on the about page about Grace Fellowship, things that we hold dear. We call them big rocks. It's core values And among the most core is community groups. Community groups are the very heartbeat of our church. The Bible teaches that people change and grow best at close range with other believers who can speak into their life and by using their gifts to speak into someone else's life. Community groups are not just some fad we'll get over. I'm going to read that again. All right? It's not a fad that we're one day going to get over. They are the ministry structure that we think best enables us to do what God has called us to do. A number of years ago, I preached my first message about groups in this room, and I got a note, handwritten note, on my desk the following day. And the note basically said this, how disappointed this person was to hear what they called a sales pitch about community group. What an encouraging way to start your Monday morning, all right? They wanted a sermon. They wanted a different type of sermon. And I get it. But actually, that person that wrote me proved my point. And here's the point. More knowledge is not the answer. And do you know the Bible does not advocate that more knowledge should be your goal exclusively? More preaching to scratch your feed me itch will actually not make you, in practice, a more devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That might convict you and comfort you. I hope that it does. Knowledge gained, hear me, is good, and we see it as important but application with others. Life on life, 
And that's where the changing, that's where the beauty, that's where it happens when it happens with other people. That's why we say that we believe changing and growing happens best in circles, not in rows. Our own lead pastor, Brad Bigney, in uh, 2011, when he was delivering those messages, he said this, I love preaching and teaching. But I'm going to make a bold statement here today. I'm going to try to convince you that preaching and teaching are not enough. Wow. Hey, it's one thing for Pastor Brian to say that. I only preach about a dozen times a year. But it's a whole other thing when our lead pastor, gifted in that way, says that's not enough. Preaching and teaching not enough? You might be wondering, like, how, what, how is that so? Isn't that what we're built around? It's literally, for some of you, the reason why you came to Grace Fellowship. You love the orthodox teaching, the full counsel of God's Word that we bring to bear each and every Sunday. And we're devoted to it. We know that it's good and important. Can I hear an amen to that? It's good and important. Yes, But hear us boldly say to you, fresh and new, it is not enough. Now, I'm not saying that we're expanding from our simple church format, but what we're saying, essentially, you need to worship and give praise to God, but you need to connect with others to mature. See, you can grow in knowledge and yet remain immature as a Christian. What brings people to church and what keeps them in church are actually two different things. Do you know about 90% of church attenders come because of the Sunday preaching and teaching and the music? But you know that less than half stay because of that? About 70% stay because of connection to groups and ministries. That's what makes people stick. Sunday morning church attendance and an occasional, or maybe in your life, this consistent devotional life that you've structured your life around, that's good, but it's not going to lead you to Christian maturity. Christianity divorced from Christian community has, listen to this, has no Bible basis to support it. Maturity through digestion of information That's actually a Western idea. And in our world, it's a postmodern notion built around an American value of rugged individualism, independence, and basically how we basically function. We're looking for the best product to consume. So it kind of goes like this. It's just kind of like me, my Bible, and my God. It's all I really need to live as a Christian. Come to church occasionally, maybe drop something in the box now and then, read my Bible, and I'm good to go. But believing this fallacy, let's just be honest, that's an easy temptation for any of us. We do live busy lives, and people are messy. Who wants to introduce more messiness into their life? None of us actually want that, but all of us want 
Some level of a success and success toward maturity means that you got to get out of the rows of a large assembly and you got to get up close and connect with other believers in community. So I'm just going to, with the time we got left today, I'm going to offer you two reasons why you actually, and I'm going to use a word, need, you need community. You need community group. Number one, you're going to get an opportunity to gain significant Christian relationship. Dr. Rob Green wrote a book. You can find it over in our resource center. It's what we use for premarital counseling. It's called Tying the Knot. In the book, Green devotes a chapter to something that seemingly doesn't belong in a marriage book. The chapter is entitled Community with Jesus at the Center. He goes on to say, a chapter like this belongs in a marriage book for a simple reason. God designed us to be in community. Being married, yes, it forms a significant, one of the most significant relationships you're ever going to know if you get married. But it leads some people to conclude something that's not true. It leads them to conclude... My marriage and my family, that's all I actually need. And that might be true that that's all you want, but it is not true that that's all you need. Family relationships and work relationships, oh, they're valuable. But do you know that they're not essential for spiritual health? You can be single, you can be divorced. You can face temptations of a variety of things in a variety of ways. And some people who are doing those things, experiencing those things, they're actually spiritually healthy because they're connected to community. Caterpillars become butterflies and cocoons. Believers grow in community. I regularly meet people who attend Grace Fellowship. Inevitably, you hang around me enough, I'm going to ask you that question. I'm going to ask you, whose community group are you in? And frankly, the response sometimes will tell me a little bit about spiritual health at that moment for that person. They have the reasons that you have, a.k.a. excuses that we all have, all right? It kind of goes like this. It's the reality. They're busy. Their work is demanding. Their kids are in sports and activities. Parents did not know when they started having children that they basically run a shuttle service a little bit later in life. All right? All of those things can be true. But have you ever considered if that's one of the things that you say, that everybody in this church is busy? Everybody that's in a community group is busy? We're all Busy to some degree. So let's, let's actually be brutally honest. Community group takes effort. It's not always going to be easy. It certainly won't always be convenient. But we get done what we think is important. That's what we do. And I know the excuses. Do you know why I know the excuses? Not because you tell, tell me those things. 
because I have personally made them myself. All of them. When Amy and I started attending Grace Fellowship, some of you may not know, I came with a bunch of baggage, a lot of pride, didn't know it was pride, and a substantial amount of fear. I worked five and a half days a week, 12, sometimes 13 hours. I slept six hours a night. I wore that like it was a badge of honor, like that's something to be proud of. It's something that men do. We talk about how little we sleep, like that's some great thing. I had pushed down questions in my life about God's goodness after the death of our fourth child. I wanted to go to community group about as much as I wanted to get poked in the eye. It felt like a big ask that looked like nothing more than a big task for me. Just consider this. How many of you would give this counsel to your children? Listen to this. This is the counsel we're giving you. I know how it sounds. Hey, I want you to go out to a stranger's house. I want you to walk up. I want you to drive into a strange neighborhood, walk up a stranger's driveway, only to meet more strangers and talk about God and sing and share your life with those people. That sounds what? Strange, doesn't it? So Brian Fannin did the mature thing. I went complaining and kicking and screaming. That's what I did. But I went. And God in his mercy used that group to radically reorient me. Thank you, Bob Greenwood. And help me to grow and change as a Christian that I never did before. They actually exemplified Galatians 6.2 to me, which says this. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Those men and women prayed for us, told me when I was being foolish, how my fear and worry was sinful, and how the losses that Amy and I had experienced in the death of our son was not something that God was using to punish us, but actually God was using to transform us. See, significant Christian relationships are formed when you deliberately place yourself there, when you make connections with others, and when you intentionally are willing to learn how to be transparent about you. And this is never going to happen. It's never going to happen by you staring across the back of people's heads at me or Pastor Brad or at a screen. Certainly not going to happen by camping out at home indefinitely. Not going to happen. It happens by you getting in small groups up close and caring for other people. So let me show you, let me show you something that's known about me and maybe known about you in group. Who really knows you? Who actually knows you? I know some of you use a question in your community group that kind of goes like this. If you really knew me, you would know what? If you really knew me, you would know this about me. 
Community group invites that into your life. For other people to know you, actually, what's be, beyond the persona that you put forth, the actual you. I want our church to be characterized. Let me just be transparent. I really want Grace Fellowship to be, trans, uh, to be characterized by the transformational aspect of being sticky. Sticky. Community group will make your life sticky. So what I mean by this, you can hide in a big church, you cannot hide in community. We intend for the back door of the church, both the community group leaders, the elders of this church, our intention is you come in and we shut the back door on you. So you cannot slip out without us knowing you. Larry Osborne is the one that termed, he's the one that uh, coined that term, sticky church. Community group will make your life sticky. It will help you not slip away, fall through the cracks. It will help you change and grow in ways that you just simply cannot fathom until you get in one. Number two, second reason you need a community group. You're going to get an opportunity to give and receive. I'm going to show you a little phrase here that's in your bulletin, one anothering. It's an important phrase biblically in the New Testament. It's a key piece of Christian maturity, one anothering. Now, we get questions from time to time. I get people ask me this. They'll write in. They'll ask Pastor Brad. Here's what they ask. When are you going to preach or offer a class about the end times, about the book of Revelation. People are hungry for it. They want to know, are we in the end times? What are the signs of the end times? What do you believe about the rapture? Well, is there a rapture and is it coming? How about this news event, this news article? People send me news articles and say, what about this? Is this connected to this? How about the tribulation? Or the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, the numbers. What all is that? Why don't you teach about that? Eschatology, it's what's referred to, the doctrine of future things. It's an interesting subject. It is a part of Scripture. But do you know, hear me, it is secondary. It's secondary to how believers are to be living in relationship to other believers. More knowledge is not going to make you more mature. It certainly will not necessarily make you more godly. And so what happens to us, especially in the West, we began looking at Christianity as transactional. I, Jesus died for me. I trust him. Then we get on a linear model. I learn this and this and this and this and this. And I become a grown-up Christian. That's not biblical. It's not biblical. See, here's the reality. We've got to push beyond our preferences. Our preferences is, I need the Bible to grow. Let me grow with scriptural knowledge. And it's true, you need the Bible to grow. But, here it is. But you need the Bible and you need other believers at close range to mature. There's a difference between being a knowledgeable Christian and a mature one. We're good at gaining knowledge and treating it as the whole thing. 
But actual growth toward maturity just doesn't work that way. You can be knowledgeable. That doesn't mean you're mature. To mature means you're learning to walk out your faith with other believers, being invested in and by giving yourself for the benefit of others. This is what the Bible calls in the New Testament that phrase, one anothering. And there's a whole bunch of examples of it, a whole bunch of them. In fact, when you look at Scripture, the reason why we put such emphasis on this is because there's more than 50 occurrences of it in the New Testament. Very specific passages about how we are to grow up by doing this together. Let me offer you the first one. John 13, verses 34 to 35 says this, A new commandment I give you, that you love. Jesus is talking here, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Do you know what that love was? That was laying your life down for someone else. You are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. There it is, the distinguishing mark of a Christian is their life exemplifies love toward other people. That's what they are doing when their mouth's not moving. They're loving in action toward others. Romans 12, 16, the apostle Paul advocated that we are to live in harmony with one another. Now, why would he write to the Roman church, live in harmony with one another? Because you're not always going to agree with other people. But you can grow and be united with others, even with those you don't always see eye to eye with. Let me encourage you to consider something that might be a brand new idea to you. I got your attention? Here's the novel idea. You might actually be wrong about some things. And you need other people to help you see that you actually might be wrong. And that does not happen by you reading a passage of Scripture and finding a place in Scripture that you really don't care for and you just kind of skip over, all right? Community requires us to come alongside one another and seeking to live in harmony with one another. He goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul said, finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another. He's basically advocating, if you read that, the letters to the Corinthian church, that, you talk about a hot mess. That is a hot mess, all right? And he is saying to them, comfort one another, pursue agreement with one another. We are to be people who are pursuing that and comforting those that are hurting from their own sin and from the sin of other people. Galatians 6.2, I read a little bit ago, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What does it mean to bear the burdens of others? Burdens include the things that we create on ourselves, our sin and patterns. And it can be the heartbreak from sins against us and, again, the things that we've committed. See, we have a tendency, what we, what we tend to do, there is a time for church discipline, but when someone is struggling, we tend to like, we kind of hide our head and kind of move around them instead of moving toward them. 
and bearing the burdens that they're suffering with. Community group helps you do that. Ephesians 5.21, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This means that you and I have to learn to take correction and actually allow other people's preferences to come first. Colossians 3.9, do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self and its practices. You know what you're going to find in a good community group? You're going to find honesty. Honesty about yourself. It's at the heart of one another. And community group is intended for you to find a safe place for you to be honest about you. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage one another. See, over and over again, and one another, one another, encourage one another. And build one another up just as you are doing. Instill courage. Encourage means to instill that courage. Speak hope into other people's lives. Don't remain silent. James 5.16, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Confessing means that you agree with God first and then you come clean with your group. And it should be a place where you find people holding on to you as you fight against sin in your life. And so we come back to Hebrews chapter 10. Notice what the author wrote there. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And then he says, and let us consider how. Think about this. How do you stir one another up to love and good works? Not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Warren Wearsby wrote, it's interesting to note that the emphasis here is not on what the believer gets from the assembly or the community, but what he can contribute to it. Grace Fellowship holds. We hold community group as being core. I call it, it's in the core four. It is essential for spiritual health because of what the author wrote in this passage. Notice this. He says, community helps us hold our confession of faith without wavering. You having other people holding on to you helps you hold your confession of faith and you won't vacillate as much. All of us vacillate from time to time. All of us have doubts. Community helps hold on to you. Secondly, community helps stir one another up to love and good works. This is how we work with one another. We care for one another. And third, note this, community group, community trumps assembly for up close and personal helps us encourage one another. It's interesting for you to know that many times people use this, let us not neglect to meet together as the habit of some. That is like, a, it's one of the things that pastors use to like, yep, got to go to church, all right? And I think it's applicable, but I want you to know the writer was not thinking about an assembly like Grace Fellowship. This church was under persecution and scattered, and they were huddling up in homes. Sound like community group? That's what it was. And he says, don't neglect that. 
But encourage one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. So again, he refers to that day drawing near. For those of you who are interested in the end times, the writer says this to you. You need to be in community. Huh. You need to be in community because it will help you more than knowledge can as that day draws near. Do you know we are a week closer than we were last Sunday at this time? It's coming. He's coming. And we, in our effort to understand all of that and sign of the times, all of those things have their place, yes. But I want you to know it is secondary to believers in community holding on to one another. You need it, and you can get it at Grace Fellowship. So I want to take just a moment to say something that I cannot say enough about. We have in this body community group leaders and hosts. My host is sitting right over here. Community group leaders and hosts, you know what? You are, you are among the best Grace Fellowship has. You, your service to the body of Christ, the extension of the shepherding care that happens in community group, it's what makes Grace Fellowship so special. And I want to thank you personally and let you know that we pray for you continually. And I want to say to you, God sees what you're doing. And he's keeping note. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for providing Grace Fellowship. A model. I know you use many models. But thank you for the model that's been community group, small group, through the years And even as we launch this new ministry year, a new community group year, I pray that people who for years have been kind of in and out or on the sidelines, maybe taking even some rest from it. Oh, Lord, draw them back. Draw us to you. Help us to find community. Help us to grow and change together. I pray Lord, we pray for our leaders, our hosts, our our anchor couples. Oh, Lord, use them mightily this year. Help us all to hold on to one another, encouraging one another as we anticipate that day drawing near. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.